Well, I am a little wrecked after that. <laughs> Just stick your hands out again for a sec. Father, we just respond to the weight of your presence oh, on us right now. Just keep hearing this deep calls unto deep, that the deep of his spirit is calling to the depths within you and he, he's, he's looking at the strength and the character and the gold and, and the purposes that he has placed deep within you and it's like his hands are reaching in and going, I'm pulling them to the surface this year. I'm pulling them to the surface. It, no longer is, is the treasure in you going to be buried. It's not going to be buried treasure anymore. It's time for the treasure to be seen. It's time for the glory that's upon you to be revealed and within you to be revealed. So we just respond and we just say yes. We just let that deep call unto deep. We embrace the discomfort of you reaching that deep. Just declare no pregnancy in spirit will be aborted in this season, in Jesus' name. No pregnancy will be aborted. No dream will be aborted. Your day of breakthrough is now. We just honor your presence, Father. It's all about you. It's all about you. Just increase the weight of your presence on us right now, Father. Just increase the weight. I prophesy hope into every heart. Your name is life. Your name is hope. I prophesy hope over every heart. I prophesy hope over every situation. You are good, God. I feel like so much is possible right now. Wow. Just do what only you can do, Father. Mm. Yeah, just stay in 
Stay in receive mode, whatever that looks like. <laughs> doesn't really matter what it looks like on the outside. Just keep your hearts and spirits receptive. I want to continue prophesying into our year and... Um, Last week, um, can't talk, breathing. <laughs> Last week was good. <laughs> uh, we were digging into this, this, um, this sense of the prophetic word saying that 2017 is the year to step into the fullness of who you really are. And I, I want to pick that up again and... Um, this really flows straight on from last week. So if I had had an hour and a half last week, I would have done it all in one go, but I didn't and I had mercy. Um, so this is kind of part two, kind of separate, kind of together, kind of let's just do this. A um, couple of weeks ago when Deb was speaking, Pat, our other drummer, it's good to say other drummer because now there's like two of you. That's, you have no idea how exciting that is. Um, Pat was trying, he said to me, I was trying really hard to listen to Deb, but God was just all over him and he was just getting download um, from heaven in the midst of it. And it wasn't unrelated to what Deb was saying, but he just, he said, I'm really sorry, I just couldn't focus because God, I'm like, you know what, us, God, good choice. <laughs> um, so he sent it to me and, and um, gave me permission to share it. He, this is the download. He said, God, in the mood, God is in the mood to see hearts healed. While this is an enduring desire of his, in 2017, he'll be turning up the heat in this department. At I-61, he wants to build a community of heart healers whose paths he can align with the broken and the lost. We will be equipped to impart healing upon damaged hearts through our own experience of his promise, and it all starts when we worship. It all starts when we worship. Through surrender in worship, we lower our walls... And can let Jesus begin to heal the scars of our hearts so that we can fulfill his promise for our city. I know a lot of this ties into what you covered. This is kind of his editorial. Um, what you covered last year, but I think 2017 will be the year we begin to see the fruit of this. And then he said, I know I-61 has a heart for Sydney and I don't want this to sound disrespectful, but I felt him say that by the close of 2017, Sydney will begin to feel too small. Come on. And to say yes to that. Now, obviously, stepping into the fullness of who you are, for many of us, is starting with a healing journey because the thing that has kept us back is a bucket load of pain. Um, and if that's your world, you're certainly not on your own. Um, if you weren't here last week and didn't hear that, if I can encourage you to get the podcast because that's kind of a foundation to this. But allowing yourself to become the real you, and, and again, I really feel like that's a prophetic theme for the year of the Father introducing you to yourself at a whole nother level. Um, and out of that, you, you lose any question around your value and worth. It's just, it's just settled. You know because the Father has not only said it, but he's hugged you and, he, and you have experienced him and that cancels any other any other experience. But you'll know without a doubt who you are, what you carry, and you'll be more comfortable in your own skin than you've ever been before. You'll be more happy being you than you've ever been before. 
sometimes I think in the church we've had this false humility that says it's honouring to God to denigrate us. There's a biblical term for that and I think it's called religious humbo jumbo. I had a few other things I was thinking there. but um, That's the technical term for it. So this was Carol's painting today. We love Carol. Give her a hand. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether it's a work in progress. or So if I was to come up to Carol right now and just say, Carol, you are just so amazing. You are so awesome. This is a piece of junk, but you are so awesome. Would that actually, it's not, by the way, this is hypothetical. Would that be honouring to her? Do you honour the artist by denigrating their creation? No, it's not honouring to the artist or to the creator at all to denigrate their creation, to supposedly lift up the creator. Yet how often do we do that with ourselves? God, you're amazing. I just so suck, but you are just so good. And God said, hang on, you're made in my image. <laughs> and again, to put it beautifully, biblically, you know, I think God's saying, I don't suck. <laughs> That's, you know, God, he doesn't. <laughs> sorry if you're not used to hearing that in church. Um, actually, I'm not that sorry. But um, <laughs> it, it's time we lose this idea that Humility means denigrating who we are. And when Scripture says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, we actually need to learn how highly we ought to think of ourselves. And I actually think it's pretty high. Given that we're made in His image and His likeness, that's pretty high. And, and I... Oh, we'll just minister that later. I can't, the words, I'm just not going to do it. Why don't you open up Isaiah 54, if you have your Bibles or your iPhones or whatever device it is. Because allowing yourself to become the real you means there is going to be an enlarging that happens on the inside of you. I'm not talking of the food variety. <laughs> I'm talking of the growth, the, um, the growth not only in spirit but in soul as well. Now, the, the thing that our mind and the way that we think actually hinders our spiritual growth. Because our mind is the gateway between heaven and earth. Our soul realm is the gateway between heaven and earth. Our spirit sits in heaven and is seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Our body is in the earth realm, but our soul is that part of us that sits in the gateway between the spiritual realm and the natural or the manifested realm. And what happens in that soul realm determines what of the heavenly realm is manifested in the earth. So when we're talking about enlarging, Yes, we're talking in spirit, but we're talking in soul as well because one can't happen without the other. Because we can get amazingly enlarged in spirit, but if our soul doesn't catch up, our soul will limit that. I know that's not worthy of an amen, but um, it's, it's so important that we understand. So there's going, there, and so I want to unpack this, this theme of enlarging because I feel like in the context of this prophetic word of 2017 is the year to step into the fullness of who you are. It's the year of surprises. It's the year of breakthroughs coming earlier than you think. You know, Max, I shared last week, I felt like one of the prophetic signs of this year, you wanted to get out of hospital on the 1st of February. That was your goal. And a few weeks before, it was not looking likely at all. 
We weren't going to say that at the time. It wasn't looking good. And then you ended up getting out two days earlier than that. And I, I just felt in my spirit, that's a sign of the year ahead. If you've been used to delay, now it's going to surprise you early. I'm up for that. I'm done with delay. So Isaiah 54, verse 1, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. This is not what I want to camp on, but being me, I can't help but say something about that. In other words, do not let your current circumstances determine your expression of praise and worship. Because that is not the defining factor. Don't let your current circumstances, barren woman, determine your expression of worship. Sing, O barren woman. In other words, almost do the exact opposite. Do what you would do if the, the, the thing that is on your heart was actually fulfilled. Do that before it's fulfilled. That's the kingdom. I've said many times, you know, in a sporting match, we cheer when they score a goal, but in the kingdom, we cheer and then they score a goal. Okay? So sing, O barren woman, because more are the children of the desolate woman than her who has a husband. And that act of not letting your circumstances determine your expression actually brings you into a place of greater fruitfulness over here than the one who just has it flowing naturally. That, that's the idea. And that is a, a really, really core foundation. And what Pat said, yeah, uh, this is going to ha- it all starts when we worship. This is the foundation of the enlarging is regardless of your circumstances, no matter how barren, dry or hopeless they seem, do not let them determine your expression of worship. Do not let them determine how you see the Father. Step into who He really is, declare that and watch Him bring you into the place of fruitfulness that you desire. That was a freebie. Verse two, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your curtains wide and do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will disperse nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. I feel like this is a a, a really key prophetic. I mean, it's... Isaiah 50 and 60 are just so rich with stuff like that, uh, of incredible rich prophetic promises. But I really feel like this is a now word that we need to position ourselves for expansion. I'm talking all of us individually. I'm actually talking about all of us individually more than I am talking about us as a corporate church right now. I'm, kinda, I'm talking to you rather than you all. Even though the natural expression of that will be a ye all, I didn't quite, y'all, y'all, a Texan, all y'all, actually that is, (laughs) all y'all expression, a corporate expression. Um, Many of us are probably familiar with the prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles 4, 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel and he said, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And God granted his request. I just like, it's sitting right in the middle of a whole lot of genealogies in the book of Chronicles. That's what Chronicles is. It's basically genealogy that this person begat that person and that person begat that and they spat that and did that and they had that. And it's not the most enthralling, you know, text right there. 
And right slap bang in the middle of it, you could easily, when you kind of skip over the pages to get to the really juicy stuff, you could so easily miss that. Where Jehovah cries out to God and just says, bless me, enlarge my territory, enlarge my sphere of influence, enlarge the, the place where I have dominion and authority. And then it just simply says, and God ran at his request. And then it just got on with the genealogies. <laughs> Go figure. Genesis 1.28. We talked about this in, in past series late last year. We have not only a dominion mandate, you know, we're created to rule, to have dominion, to, to subdue the earth, but we're also called to fill it. So we have an expansion mandate as well as a dominion mandate. We, we were never meant in the kingdom to stay the same size. We are in a kingdom that is advancing, sometimes violently. And I'm talking in spirit. I'm not talking in natural warfare kind of stuff. <laughs> Human warfare as in. So I have a sense that God is saying, this is a year for you to enlarge. So in coming into the fullness of who you are, there is going to be a significant enlarging happen of you. And within that, there are four particular areas I really felt stirred that He is asking us to enlarge this year. So the first one, so four of them, as I said, and then I've got a couple of kind of more specific words, um, and then we'll uh, find a place to land. The first one is, I believe we're being asked to enlarge in our thinking about our capacity. Deb talked into this a couple of weeks ago. But in how we think about our capacity, what I sense is many of us are believing lies about our capacity, what we're capable of, what we can do with our world, what we can accomplish in a week. So many of us are thinking, I can't do it anymore. I can't do any more than this. And I feel like God is inviting you to a higher perspective. One of the things I found out by kind of peeing on the electric fence and finding out for myself, you know, that very visceral experience of <laughs> trying something out that you think is going to be fine and it so wasn't. And you, anyway, moving right along, um, was, uh, it was, Two years ago, um, when I made some changes in my business world, I essentially took on a whole lot more stuff. But I did nothing to upgrade the way that I was thinking about all the stuff that I was doing. So all I did was did more stuff. Didn't go so well. Didn't work out so well. Everything out there was fine. Everything in me was dying. And God very graciously kind of dropped into my spirit one particular day while sitting at my desk thinking all sorts of things around can't keep doing this. This is ridiculous. I'm going to snap. And he just said, you upgraded what you were doing, but you didn't upgrade it the way you were thinking about what you were doing. You're, you're operating at this level now, but you're still thinking down here. And that gap is what's causing you some serious pain. So he said, you need to change the way that you think. And he started, yes, CEOs of 5,000 person organizations somehow managed to have a life. And here's me in this little thing not having a life at all, I'm thinking, okay, they're obviously thinking at a way higher level than I am. I need to learn. I need to expand the way that I think. Am I making sense? Because I can't remember if it was Einstein. It was one of these really great, amazing people that said, you can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking that created it. I love that quote. You can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking that created it. You've got to come to a higher place. And interestingly, the word repent quite literally means to come up to a higher perspective. So meta, the, the word repent, meta noia. Meta means higher. So if you're a database 
programmer, you wouldn't understand what metadata is. It's the data that sits kind of over the top. It's the overarching kind of more structural stuff. Um, so meta means higher, noia means thinking. So repent literally means higher thinking. Okay, if you think in English, re means to go back to. Repent, like penthouse, the top floor of a building. So repent means to go back to heaven's perspective. It's to come up to a higher place. So we, we just think of repenting as sucking carpet and going, oh God, I'm such a scum, I can't believe I did that. Actually, no, the moment of repentance is when we, actually, when we come up to God's perspective on the reality that we've been living in. That's, that's the moment of repentance and it's far more life-giving than what you will find being inhaled from the carpet. Um, <laughs> I feel like the Father is inviting us to upgrade the way that we think, the, to upgrade the way that we see ourselves, the way that we upgrade, to, to upgrade what we see as possible. But if all we do is think the same way and think, well, how am I going to fit another hour or two into each day? We're going to miss the point. It's almost like he's saying, hey, what if we do a control-alt-delete on the whole thing and start over with a different set of priorities? What would that look like? But so many of us, we're, we're stuck in the way, and th this is just the way it is, it's just the way it has to be, and he's kind of going, well, is it? So this enlarging thing, this thinking about our capacity, it's part of stepping into the fullness of who you are, and one of my jobs as a leader is to call all of us up to who we really are. That, that's the job of any leader is to call everybody up to the fullness of who they are. And I feel like this is my job. Part of my job today is to say to us all, you're thinking too small. Your view of yourself is too small. Your view of yourself needs upgrading. You need to see yourself at a higher level. You need to get a higher perspective on who you are because right now you're living lower than what you're capable of. You're welcome. <laughs> now, you have put limits on yourself that God hasn't put on you or created you for. When you come to that higher perspective, you're going to learn what your true capacity is. And for some of you are going, man, I have no idea how I can fit anything else in. I reckon the Father's pretty smart. And I reckon He has a higher perspective. That's what He's inviting us into. That is going to stretch us. That is going to push us way past our comfort zones. But all kingdom growth, if here is the line line of comfort, all kingdom growth is somewhere over here, outside of that. That is the kingdom. And I can feel your excitement coming back at me. It's just <laughs> overwhelming. So I feel like we're being asked in our thinking about our capacity. That's number one. Number two is around the use of our gifts. And this will be more applicable to some than the others. Um, it's really one of the things that we've learned about in church life is to discover how we're gifted and, and to find a place where we can use our gifts. That's way ahead of where we were, you know, 30 years ago, where it was just find a place to serve. And if you don't like it, suck it up because that's just, that's the kingdom. It's just boring and lifeless and that's all you can ever expect. And if you're really lucky, he'll send you to Africa, especially if you hate Africa, that's where he's going to send you. That was, that was kind of the thinking about the kingdom. And then we've kind of moved along a little where it says, you know, it's really good. Understand how God has wired you and use your gifts um, for his glory. But I think there's, an, there's a higher level because we can settle for the use of our gifts without actually fulfilling our mandate. So yes, we all have gifts, but the gifts are to serve the mandate that's on our life and we fall short of the purposes of God for our life when we settle for, yeah, I get to use my gifts in this environment, that's great, but we don't actually fulfill the mandate for which those gifts are put on you for. 
I feel like some, this is gonna, that's going to be relevant for some more than others. But you know, as an example, for us who lead worship, it's one thing to go, oh, great, we get to use our gifts. We get to you know, play. We get to, you know, and that's great. You know, and we love using our gifts. But if in the use of our gifts, we don't actually realize we have a mandate, not just to lead a service, but to take people into deeper and deeper expressions of worship, then we've missed the point. Because it's not actually about me. I mean, it is and it so isn't all at the same time. That's the funny thing about the king. When you make it all about him, he makes it all about you. That's the kind of father he is. But if we just settle for I get to use my gifts, but we don't actually, if we lose connection with the mandate that he has put on our life, with the mission that he has put on our life, we're going to fall shorter. So I feel like he's calling us up in that regard. So that's number two. Number three. And this goes to the mindset with which we, we live our day-to-day life, and that is either a survival mindset or a legacy mindset. Let me try and paint the difference. I feel like too many of us, I mean, it's so easy to do this in Sydney. Too many of us are thinking, how do I just get through this week? Or how do I get through this month and get what I have to get done, done, and stay remotely alive? It's so easy in a city like Sydney to think like that, and I get it. <laughs> Trust me, I understand. <laughs> but what that, starts, what that thinking starts to produce is a, a desire to reduce our life down to that which we can cope with. To reduce our influence, our impact, and our kingdom flow down to that which we can cope with. I've used this um, many a time. I don't know how many times I've used it here, but I use it a lot in the corporate space. Sir Edmund Hillary, the one who was the first to finally summit Mount Everest. As the story goes, and I don't know how much of this is you know, exact truth and how much is urban myth, but either way, it serves a really good point, I think. He was speaking at a dinner and he'd had several failed attempts at um, summiting Everest. And he was speaking at a dinner talking about the failed attempts and as he's bringing his speech into land, there's either on a slide or, or a painting behind him, there's a picture of Mount Everest right there. And as he, finish, as he winds up his speech, he turns around and he says, Everest, I will beat you. He says, Everest, I will beat you, he says, because you can't get any bigger and I can. See, that's the spirit that we're meant to have with our life. What he didn't go was turn around and go, Everest, I command you to reduce to a size that I can climb. But that's, but that's kind of the mindset that we tend to do. Everest, reduce so that I can cope with you. But that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is an ever-expanding kingdom. So our question is, who do I need to become to live at this level? Who do I need to become to beat this thing? Not just what do I need to do, because we're often too activity focused. What do I need to do? No, who do I need to become? Because the, the kingdom life is inside out. Who do I need to become in order to have authority in this realm or in order to play at this level rather than this level? When we're focused on survival, really our best option is we just don't die. <laughs> That's what survival's all about. You know, I just hope I just don't die this week. And I get to the end of the week and go, phew, didn't die. Let's do it all again next week. But I feel like what we're meant to grab is we need to build a legacy. Like our life is meant to have a legacy. 
Um, Cindy Jacobs had a word about this, and Deb talked about it a couple of weeks ago. One of the things that she said is that this is the year to secure your legacy. In other words, as you come into the fullness of who you really are, you are going to understand that there is something that you will leave behind. So your life is not just about you. There's Proverbs that says, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now, that's not just talking about cash, though that's a good thing to do too. But in other words, a wise man, a kingdom perspective, is thinking about a generation that they will never see and they are living their life for the benefit of those who they will actually never meet face to face, most likely. Not just thinking about how can I get through my week. I'm thinking of my children's children and their children. What legacy am I going to leave? What momentum am I going to pass to them? What am I going to be able to pass to the next generation and say to them, here, take this where I don't have time to go? That, that's the kingdom mindset. And we, in a city like Sydney, it's just so easy to get stuck in survival mindset. Yet, we're meant to leave a legacy. And I feel like this is the year to get really in touch with that, to pull us out of survival mode into legacy mode. I'm always building towards something. So it starts with, what's the legacy that I want to leave behind? And then, am I strategically building toward that? Or am I just using up time? Because when we're strategic, when, when we understand our legacy, we are then more in touch with what our priorities need to be. And then we can focus our life around our priorities rather than just the activities that have to get done. And then we can make some really intelligent and informed decisions about other things that just aren't important. I kind of think of ironing as something that's really, really unimportant. Until I walk into a business meeting. Um, and the time when Deb ironed one side of my shirt and not the other, you realise it's just important because that was only once. And it's the other part... The other time it was a sleeve that you missed, which is why I own my own shirts most of the time. Or I outsource it. <laughs> it yeah, yeah, no, she was very, very smart. She understood that if she did that twice, I'm perfectionistic enough to uh, never want to do it again and I have to do it myself. Oh, well. We, we've joked about this many a time. She's got way more material on me than I have on her, don't worry. Um, <laughs> legacy mindset. What am I building towards? What is my life meant to leave behind? We have a pretty good idea of what it is for us, but we can't answer it for you. But you need to be able to answer that for you. And part of finding who you are, that, that finding who you are is the question of identity. And then legacy is the question of purpose. Purpose always flows out of identity, so you can't do one without the other. If you get stuck into purpose and miss the identity part, you're going to just work hard and shallow and it's just going to feel dead on the inside. But when it comes out of that place of identity secured, it's, it's such a natural flow and there is authority on it in spirit at a whole other level. So that's the legacy mindset. That was number three, I think. Number four, almost there. And this is the, the juxtaposition between... Let me try and explain this. Living a normal life with a Christian worldview versus living a kingdom life. Normal life with a Christian worldview says, I have a certain set of morals and values that I will live out of because of my faith, and I will do certain things because of my faith. 
That's, that, that's the Christian worldview. Kingdom life is on a whole nother plane of existence to that. Whole nother plane of existence. It is entirely a supernatural life. It is a life that's lived from heaven to earth. And I think too many live a normal life with Christian values, Christian behavior. One of the key indicators of this is how do we respond when difficulty arises? How do we respond when an Everest pops up its head in front of us? I didn't know mountains have heads, but apparently they do now. <laughs> what do I do when one of those mountains pops up in front of me? Because when pressure comes, when we get squeezed, what's really in us starts to come out. And this is not meant to sound as harsh as it's sounding in my head right now, but let me just throw it out there and then clean it up if I have to. If we as, the king, as kingdom people respond exactly the same as our non-Christian family and friends to difficult situations, what's the difference? But the thing is, the, the, the character and that, that worldview, the, not the, the beyond the worldview, the, that kingdom life, you can't wait till the difficult situation to build it. You've actually got to build it when everything's fine. You've actually got to build it in the secret place when you don't have pressure coming against you. So the moment when it pops up, you're not trying to build it then and there. Start of Isaiah 54, the barren woman. That's a good point. I should have read that before, shouldn't I? Oh, I did. You're right. No, no, no. I'm messing with you. You, you, you can't wait till that moment. You know, I've talked about this before, I'm sure. When um, the disciples came to Jesus and said, we can't drive this demon out. And Jesus says, and this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And then he goes and drives the demon out. He didn't pray and fast in that moment to go drive the demon. He didn't go away for days to drive the demon out, to pray and fast to drive the demon out. He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, and then he drove the demon out. In other words, he had a whole vault of prayer and fasting when he didn't need it. He didn't have a specific obstacle, so that when the obstacle popped, he went, cool, boom, gone. That's the kingdom life, where we build, um, currency isn't quite the right word, but we build that relational equity, not out of a performance thing, but out of, out of a, this relational character-built place of knowing the heart and the authority of the Father, so that that thing pops up and you just go, is that all you got? Seriously? That, that's the kingdom life. There's a whole lot more to that. One of the things I feel like is really useful, and I know I'm blowing some of my own material trumpet here, but it would be worse if I didn't believe my own material. That, that's my theory. If I didn't believe what I preached, then don't listen to it even more. The series I did last year on living from another world and the one I did on kingdom finance, the two dovetailed together and it's in our Facebook feed. If you want to scroll back through, you can get it. Chris and I are working on making that available um, a little more easily than that at the moment as well. But can I encourage us all to get back into that stuff because that is really, it's the foundation of the kingdom life and how to live a supernatural life rather than a Christian one with a worldview. So that's the fourth one. So the first one, our thinking about our capacity. The second was our use of gifts. Third was the survival versus legacy. And the fourth was living a normal life with a Christian worldview versus living a Christian life. Now, there's two other words that I feel like are, are slightly more age or geographic specific that I just want to dump out there and then I want to pray for us. One of them is, to those of us that are parents, how do we bring these, this kind of a word into our household? How do we bring these kind of words into the way that we raise our kids? And I feel like there are some really, really important things. And I feel like there's two things that we need to challenge when they come out of our kids' mouth. One is, I can't, and the other is, I don't want to. Okay? I can't is a red rag to a bull for me. 
I just, it's just not language I, I'm in love with at all. So I said, oh, I can't do that. Well, under what circumstances do you think you could do that? It's just don't leave the I can'ts out there. Otherwise, they're going to reduce their life to what they think they can do. And the kingdom of life is a life of invading impossibility. The nature of the kingdom of life is doing what we actually can't do. That is the kingdom life. And we don't want to raise our kids to be just normal kids. My kids are not normal at all. <laughs> Love them dearly. <laughs> and that may be a generational thing. Anyway, moving. Um, <laughs> so we need to challenge the I can'ts. The other is the I don't want to's. I've realized, as I look at this, if I only ever did what I wanted, I'd be really, really small. <laughs> this church wouldn't exist for a start. Because at the time that God spoke to us, if now is the time to step into this, it was the last thing that we really wanted to do. It wasn't convenient timing for us at all. It didn't feel like our hearts were really in a place where we were ready for that. And he went, now, go. Okay. I mean, there was joy, there was joy in bits, in amidst the tears and the, more tears and the, oh. Um... But the, the, the time around when this began, I mean, we knew, sorry, I need to give a little more perspective. We, we've known since the year 2000 that we would plant. We didn't know when. We had varying ideas as to where. But so we've known it was something always on our heart. But the time when God pressed the go button wasn't convenient for us at that moment in time. And I'm not talking just, oh, we've got all these other things we want to do. No, we were in pain. We were really battling. And God went, now. And I kind of like, okay. See, if we don't challenge the I don't want to's, I don't want to do that. I don't want to worship. I don't want to help. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, there's always I don't want to's that come out of the mouths of kids, as well as us adults. I don't want to forgive. <laughs> want to forgive. Yeah, that's a biggie. <laughs> but if we don't challenge the I don't want to's, they're going to stay very small and very selfish. And we are meant to raise large kids in spirit. And they need to learn from us that we are part of a kingdom that is always advancing and always taking ground. That, that's, that's, again, the essence of the kingdom. Last thing, and I feel like there's a particular message to those of us who are in our 40s. Now, if you want to grab this and you're not in your 40s, you can have it too. But I feel like it, it was specific because in your 40s, you're at this peak intersection between your energy and your authority. So when you're young, you have loads and loads of energy not a lot of authority. When you're older, you have loads and loads of authority, but not so much energy. You haven't discovered this yet. You haven't discovered this yet. <laughs> but around, around that you know, late 30s, 40s mark is that intersection when you still have energy, but you also have authority. It's like the, the peak intersection point where both of them are high. Yet it's also the time of our life where we're doing the heavy lifting family-wise, we're doing the heavy lifting career-wise, and it's so easy in this period of our life, trust me, I know, to go, you know what? Let's just move to Singleton. It would be so much easier. The housing is so much cheaper. <laughs> Singleton, yeah, right. Or let's just, move, you know, let's just make this a whole lot easier on ourselves. Yet, you know, I always believe that God makes up time, yet I think we need to steward what's in front of us. 
And if we throw away these key years just on, I've just got to get by, I believe we won't pass on to the next generation the level of momentum we're meant to pass on. So when, when we're around this beautiful age in our 40s, which of course is the new 30, <laughs> we have a wisdom that we didn't have. We haven't got what we have in our 60s yet. There's no one in our 60s in the room yet, is there? No, I didn't think so. No, 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 don't put your hand up. <laughs> Late 40s? No, it's worth a try. Okay, there's, there's a couple. <laughs> you just look amazing. Yeah. But you're in the prime intersection right now. Don't, don't fall for the survival trap. Don't, for, don't fall for the old fit the kingdom stuff into the spare parts of my life and I, I have to focus here right now. Now, raising kids and doing all that is kingdom stuff because raising the next generation is, is part of our kingdom responsibility. So don't hear me missing that. But I, I think you hear what I'm saying here is don't waste the moment where your energy and your authority together are intersecting in a way that means you can advance in this season of your life so, so quickly, so that what you do in the later years becomes so much more fruitful again. And then you hand off a momentum to the next generation that is so much more. But again, this is the time to secure your legacy. This is the time to get so clear on what am I, what am I going to hand off to the next generation? So much more I could say, but you can't bear it right now. Um, so again... If I was to summarize this from last week and this week, the invitation this year is it's the year to step into the fullness of who you really are, to, to learn who you really are and be absolutely unapologetic about that. And I think I used the quote last week, reality bends around those who live from their true core. And that's not just some new agey mumbo jumbo. That's actually a faith principle. It says, I know who I am. I know what I carry. So when I walk into a room, I walk in with a level of faith that is so much higher. And the material world responds to faith. Just ask the, the sea that Jesus calmed. The material world, the, the manifested physical world responds to faith. So reality bends around those who live from their true core. Jesus is the ultimate example of that. And there's some reality that needs some bending, baby. <laughs> Not only in your world, in your own personal world, but in our city, in our nation, across the planet. There is so much shifting right now. And he wants us to be a part of what he is building. Why don't we stand? Is any of this resonating with anyone? I feel like I could just about spontaneously combust right now. <laughs> In fact, if there was a way I had to go, that would be the way I'd want to do it because that would be quite spectacular. But anyway. If this is resonating with you, I want you to come down, come stand down the front here because I want us to actually make a physical response. And part of that is I, in faith, am stepping into the fullness of who I really am. Whether I know who that is or I haven't got the foggiest idea, I just want you to take a step of faith. If this is resonating with you to say, I am taking a step into the fullness of who I am, remembering Singo Baron Woman. 
Hey, remembering regardless of where your circumstances are at right now, let's respond as if. So let's reach out our hands. Yeah, Father, I pray fire on this company of people. I release fire on this group right now. Come, Holy Spirit, come. More fire, more fire, more fire. Ooh. We just declare every assignment of hopelessness is cancelled right now in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of hopelessness and despair, we just cancel your assignment right now. We say, get off the people of God because they are destined for greatness. They are destined to manifest the glory of God that is upon them and within them. We say anxiety will be broken through this year in Jesus' name. And you will know by experience that scripture that says, greater is he that's in me than he who is in the world. Those you will know without a doubt experientially that the resources you carry inside of you are greater than anything that anything outside of you can throw at you. Whether it's the enemy, whether it's other humans, anxiety will fall off this year. Depression will fall off this year. Long-term illnesses, even just nagging little things that you can live with, but they're just really annoying. They're going to fall off this year because they're not your inheritance. They're not the thorn in the side that Paul spoke of. So don't claim it. <laughs> Father, as a community, we break alignment with anything that is counter to your purpose. And that includes our current way of thinking. We just, we just lose our allegiance to that and we hold it loosely right now because we invite upgrade. We invite upgrade, spirit, soul, and body. We invite upgrade. We invite enlarging. We understand that the place where we are right now is too small and you are growing us, you're enlarging us, you're upgrading us. Every one of us, it means something different, but we just release that spirit of wisdom and revelation. We release that Papa's voice that will apply this word to you very, very specifically so that you will know what is on your world and you will know how you should respond. Just say more of your presence right now, Father. More of your presence. More of your presence. Because we'll never really know ourselves unless we know you first. So more of you, Father. This is going to sound bizarre, probably not coming out of me, but some of you this year are going to discover firsthand how hilariously funny God is. You're going to see a side of the Father that you've never seen before in your life. Yeah, you've always loved Him. You've always said you were good. You know, you were kind. You were all of those things. But for some of you in particular, you're going to find out how hilariously funny He is. And you're going to laugh more than you've ever laughed in your life before. <laughs> Just release that. <laughs> humor wasn't something that just kind of happened by accident on the planet and God went oh what's that 
For some of you, you're going to discover for the first time what it meant in Zephaniah chapter 3 when it, when it says that He dances or rejoices over me with singing. And the, the language literally there in Scripture means he, he dances over me like a madman. You're actually going to discover the passionate, fiery, passionate love the Father has over you because you're actually going to see and experience Him dancing over you in a way that you have never experienced before. Some of you are going to get answers to prayers that you'd even forgotten to pray, but they were on your heart and He heard them, even though you didn't put them on your lips. Because you're going to know, Father, you know what matters to me and you love me so much to give me what matters to me, even though I didn't even think to ask. Some of you are going to come into money. I just I looked at you, Wendy, and I just saw green notes in your hand. <laughs> and I feel, I'll, I'll give this to you, but I, I don't feel like this is just for you. Some of you are going to come into financial breakthrough this year really significantly. And if that's stirring with any, I mean, that stirs with everyone's hearts in the natural, I know. But, <laughs> but, but in the spirit, if that stirs with you, the key question is, who do I need to become in order to steward that well? You know, the church has been notorious for asking for wealth and then being lousy at stewarding it when they get it. So the question is, who do I need to become to be able to steward well what God wants to put on my life? And whether that's money or whatever, that's actually a good question for us all. So Father, we just release fire on this company. That we would be known for our fire. That we would be known for our joy. And we would be known for being so comfortable in our own skin. Because you're in our skin. (laughs) Christ in us, the hope of glory. You are in us. As we show the world what love really is this year. It wouldn't just be love for each other. It'd be love for you, but it'd also be love for life. (laughs) Yeah, more, God. Let this not be just another service, God. Let there be just transactions that take place in the spirit realm right now that just shift the momentum in spirit of things over our life forever that legacies would be secured, that faith would be birthed afresh, that we would never again settle for frustrating situations as, well, that's just the way it is. But just like David did with Goliath and said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against the army of the living God? That's that spirit that we're gonna have about the stuff that comes at us. More fire, more fire, more fire, more fire, more fire. Stoke the fires of passion, Father. Where passion's gone dry, stoke it up again. Remind us, for some of us, the passion of our youth. Remind us of that first love fire. Not only restore it, but increase it. (laughs) It'd be like a bunch of lovesick teenagers. (laughs) in your presence. Yeah. Yeah, just for a moment, just for a minute, just start to put on your lips, your heart. Just start to put on your lips, whether that's just praising Him, whether that's just, whether that's declarations that He's got in your heart, just for a moment, just loud enough for you and the Father to hear. Just start to put that on your lips. 
just as you've been putting it on your lips now, I just felt prompted by the Spirit to say, watch what you put on your lips first thing in the morning. In other words, watch how you set up your day with your confession. doesn't mean getting religious about it. But watch what you align with in the first part of the day. Even if you wake up tired, grumpy, whatever, it's just this sense of, hey, if you want to take ground here, there's a key. Watch what you align with the moment you wake up. Set your alignment right at the beginning of the day and watch the rest of the day follow. Yeah, Jesus, we just seal in Jesus' name everything that has been done in spirit here. And we just say, in us, through us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? If you, if you want prayer for something um, specific, please hang around down the front. Our core team would love to be around and praying for you. If you need to go, you're welcome to do that. Um, just please be sensitive if people are getting ministry down the front. Bless you. Looking forward to what God will continue to do. Bless you. If you're still wanting prayer, stay down the front. We would love to pray with you. If you need to go, you're free to do so. And parents, those of you who got kids upstairs, please don't forget to collect them sometime soon. Bless you.